India contains some of the poorest of the poor in the world. What is it like to grow up in abject physical poverty? What is it like to grow up in spiritual poverty, where you're raised in a community where you've never heard about Jesus, the Bible, or about a God who loves you? Get ready to have your heart stirred as Pastor M from India in just a few moments will take us on a journey to understand the physical and spiritual poverty of India. Welcome to the 360 Serve podcast. I'm Mark Tyler, president of 360 Serve. Did you know that one in three people in our world have yet to even hear the name of Jesus? And the majority of these people who have yet to hear the name of Jesus, they live in areas where American missionaries are unable to travel and freely share the gospel and plant churches in those areas. But indigenous church planting pastors are already there, living in their countries, they know their language and culture, and they're very effective in reaching their own people for Christ. Today is one of the greatest turnings to Jesus our world has ever seen. And it's because indigenous church planting pastors are leading the charge, bringing the good news of Jesus to their own people who live in these least reached areas of the world. The 360 Serve podcast is dedicated to interviewing these amazing church planting pastors so you can hear straight from them the incredible things God is doing today and how you can get involved. I trust it's been encouraging for you to get to know Pastor M, our movement leader from India. So let's jump into our conversation with Pastor M on the topic of poverty. Well, it's exciting to once again talk about India. And we have with us our movement leader from India, Pastor M. How are you doing uh, today? Well, Pastor Mark, I am doing well. Thank you so much for your prayer support. I want to thank 360 Surf family for prayer and for their great support for the ministry, what God is doing here in India. Mm, amen. Well, today in this segment, we get to talk about poverty. And um, India, although it's a developing nation, there's tremendous wealth in India. We realize that. And there's mega cities in India, and they have modern everything. And, and yet at the same time, there's this vast poverty, especially, as we just talked about in our last segment, among the delete, the other backward castes. And yet there's poverty in India physically, but also spiritually. And in this segment, we want to talk about both of those and just kind of have you spell out Pastor M, share with us stories, paint for us a picture uh, of just the context, again, of poverty in the areas we're supporting church planners. They're being sent into these areas. And so the picture we're getting from you is helping us so much pray for our church planners and pray for... Uh, those that are hearing the gospel, it helps us to understand, you know, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. And so, in a sense, we're trying to see what's happening in India among the areas that we're uh, supporting. And so, let, let's just talk about uh, this first area of, of really physical poverty, and how would you describe the physical poverty of India, and in particular, where uh, you're you're at work, where you're serving, Pastor M? Well, uh, to me, physical poverty looks like, uh, you know, uh, if somebody who are like half naked or naked, uh, you know, which means <laughs> they can't afford to buy the clothes, uh, you know, and there are 62% people 
here in india uh, they are considered as a the the, the uh, like a poorest of the poor like belongs mm. to poverty line it is very tough uh, to feed themselves means they have to work hard so that they can feed themselves but uh, it is really really challenging for them to buy the clothes or to send their kids to a school to buy the books buy the the stationery uh, you know all kinds of things looks uh, physical poverty to me because this is how every day they are facing sometimes they sleep without food uh, mm. you know there are 3 million kids here in india even in the newspaper came that uh, they sleep without food so it mm. is it is uh, really really this kinds of stories this kinds of things information looks to me as a physical poverty yeah mm. wow you know i think when people think about india our listeners i think most americans we just think so many people and it's true <laughs> i've been to india many times and it is a sea of people it just assaults you the humanity and the mass humanity that you see before your very eyes uh it's beautiful because these are people that jesus died for and and to me i just love to travel throughout india but it's taken me many times to kind of and i'm still not used to how many people there are and like you're saying millions and millions of people that are the poorest of the poor in this kind of poverty. So I I'm we're going to dive into this and I'm just going to ask you questions, Pastor M. And some of these are personal and some you're going to just share stories of people that you've met over the years, I'm sure. But let's start with your own family. What was physical poverty like for you, your own family growing up? I know you've touched on this a little bit, but just I want to let you answer that question however you feel led. Well, uh, you know, uh, we have three, three brothers, so we all born into a, a like a very rural, rural area. And uh, my uh, father and my mother had vision that they want to educate us, but they were so poor. Even they can't, uh, you know, buy a book uh, for us to study. You know, they were mm. so poor. They don't know how to make money. so they were just working into the agricultural feed and uh, whatever the uh, uh, the wages like uh, you know uh, they bring uh, only the food items like they bring the rice or some kinds of others plantains and those are the things that we were able to eat uh, uh, so i i have seen the poverty through my eyes i have seen Uh, that how many nights we sleep without food i have seen hmm. uh, that uh, we were not even having more than one clothes so for example like uh, uh, like you know we were just wearing the clothes for one week not taking shower because we had no extra clothes like that uh, so this kinds of a struggle things we have uh, really face in our life for example like uh, when i was in uh, uh six seven standard i become the child labor i was going to work as a as a child labor whatever i make uh i spent or i gave the tuition fee so means i have seen the poverty through my eyes experienced also means through my uh, my life 
you know, and I was always just asking question to myself, why we are so much poor? Why I born into a poor family where there is always a struggle, where there is nothing available? Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you did eat, Pastor M, as a kid growing up in this condition, what would you have like a breakfast, a lunch and a dinner? Or, I mean, you know, I know you would share it. There's many times you go without food, but what was the typical pattern of eating back then? Uh, for you as a family? You know, in the most of the Dalit family, like uh, in a day, you can have only one uh, time food. Maybe they eat around uh, 11 a.m. and then they will eat uh, in the night, like around 9 p.m. So Mm. this, uh, you know, this is how we got the food. But those foods are not healthy foods. Mm. Uh, You know, just somehow we have to feed our stomach. Uh, so whatever we get, we, we're feeding our stomach. So it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so when you have those moments where you had no food, what would your mom, what would your dad say? What would you guys, what was the discussion at that point? Well, uh, our mom or dad, uh, you know, we were not, you know, blaming to them because we know mm-hmm. how much they are struggling for us how much they are struggling to make the money or to, to bring all these foods, uh, materials to, to our house because we saw that how much, like sometimes my father works, continue as a labor work uh, for 14 hours, 15 hours. Mm. Uh, he was just doing the work especially to feed his family, uh, to feed us, you know. Uh, so there was no question that we can question to our parents that why we are so poor because we were born into a poor family we were living as a poor we do not have any hope that we can came out from this poverty situation yeah wow well you know i mean just like you've intimated here children uh, often are you know experiencing uh this growing up I don't want to say the brunt of it because it's a family that's trying to just make ends meet, but you're certainly experiencing this. Let's talk about children for a little bit, and and even orphans. You know, let's talk about poverty among children in India. Can you describe that a little bit for us? Because this is heartbreaking, but it's a reality of the context of what's happening in India. How do you describe that? You know. Uh... Regarding children's, uh, for example, like uh, if the parents, uh, they die and children's are without parents, uh, they are doing one job uh, and the job is to beg. They go to the small city mm. and they just, uh, you know, they're not taking sour any days, just they are begging. They are begging to the people, they are begging to the shops, please help me, please feed me. Uh, it's it's really, really challenging uh, situation here. And then I saw and I heard over 3 million kids like this uh, here in India, and they sleep without food. Uh, you know, they sleep somewhere, like they sleep near to the stations, uh, near to the bus stand. Uh, you know, wherever they find the place, does they sleep? And uh, sometimes mm. I cry to see all these pictures. You know, when I travel through train, I saw a couple of kids will come and will just beg, 
you know to the people so uh, uh, it is very very much challenging things uh, yeah mm. well i know you have a big heart you know for orphans and we'll kind of get into this later but can you maybe tell us a story of just an orphan child that uh, just comes to mind that kind of helps us get a, our mind around, you know, what the experience is for a child who's lost their parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me uh, share with you one story about Basnavi. Basnavi is a girl, and she's little. She's around five years. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't know... Uh, but Basnavi was thrown, like maybe she was one or two days birth and somebody like maybe her mom threw uh, to, to the railway track, but the near railway track, there was a one tree. So when she threw from the, the roof, she was just stuck uh, on the, on the, the tree, uh, you know, the clothes, you know, and mm. uh, some lady was, uh, going over there to collect the trash, like the plastic they were collecting, they were collecting the mm. bottles. And this uh, this lady means every day she was just collecting all those plastic trash and so that she can sell and she can feed herself. And when she came to the near to that tree, she started to hear the cry. She bring oh, that uh, child down and see, you know, take uh, Basnavi to uh, her home and she was so poor. So somehow she survived uh, four or five years. Uh, you know, this lady become old and she dropped to our home. Somehow she came mm. to know that we are taking care of orphans and she is so beautiful. Means, uh, mm. And she called me these days uh, 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 daddy, Papa in Hindi. Wow. And I, I am very happy to, to serve her. I am very happy uh, to see her in my family. Uh, and so I'm just sharing this story of one child. But yeah. there, are, there are millions of kids like this uh, here in India. And uh, <laughs> wow. it is tough. It is tough situation here. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. Um, is there something else you wanted to say there on that? No, no, no. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. beautiful. Thank you for that beautiful story uh, amongst, you know, the big picture of just the great need that uh, we continue to pray for. Thank you, Pastor M. Let, let's talk also uh, another segment that's deeply impacted by po in poverty is widows, widows, uh, a wife, you know, in, in a Hindu family loses her husband. What happens to that wife? I think this is probably going to shock some of our listeners to hear what is often the case for widows. Let me share a story of, uh, uh, of one lady. Her name is Sleha. You know, uh, Sleha uh, have her father-in-law and mother-in-law, and Sleha's husband was the only one in that family. Uh, when she married uh, with a man, you know, the life was going well. Everything was okay. They were just doing uh, the construction work, labor work. They were happy. Uh, somehow, Sleha uh, had five, six 
like five kids in a seven year period and her husband died. And Saleha, father-in-laws become old. They were not able to do anything. Saleha's husband died. And uh, uh, Saleha uh, started to struggle a lot. I, I remember and I, 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 I saw the situation of her family. When I went to their family, uh, just they were just crying and crying and crying. I see all those little kids uh, that they were just struggling for the food. And Sleha was so beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, she was around uh, 25 or 26 year old, having five kids uh, and having her mother and father-in-law uh, you know, she started to cry before me. And uh, uh, so I, I, you know, just sit with her and, and she started to share that's how she has been struggling. So, you know, uh, because in that village, people not look her with their good eyes. They were always looking her with the bad eyes. Uh, because she lost uh, her husband, people were always mocking on her. Uh, because of you, your husband died. And there is no value of widow in our culture. Uh, they are mm. known, uh, you know, as a bad way. Uh, means nobody wants to stand with those ladies and talk. While she was struggling, uh, you know, she was going to the agriculture feed, like field, uh, to work in agriculture so she can bring something to feed their child or feed their in-laws. And uh, she was raped three times. Uh, mm. You know, uh, uh, she don't uh, share this uh, rape story to their mother-in-laws or to anyone because she knew that they can't do anything. So uh, when I heard the story, I heard the struggle. I was crying over this. I said, God, what is happening, all this thing? Uh, somehow, I, I, I share the story of Jesus to her. She gave her life to Christ. She became a church planter. And now mm. uh, she is planting churches. And she have around seven, eight, hundred, seven, eight uh, churches uh, where she lives mm. nearby. Wow. And... Uh, She's teaching about God to different, different ladies. Now she, good, she got a good value. Her mm. kids are going to a school. She's able to feed her in-laws and family. And she is living happily. Wow. You know, this is transformation story. But while she was sharing of her struggle story, I was, you know, uh, I was confused. I was asking God why this happened to her. Uh, and when I heard that how she has been struggling, uh, you know, so this is Saleha is one story, but uh, there are thousands and thousands yeah. of stories because there is, there are no value of widow in our, in our culture, in our, in our Indian society. Uh, so this kinds of things we are able to saw and hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's so hard, you know, for us to get our minds around because, you know, the aged, we would hope in a culture, even a widow would have greater esteem by their family 
And yet, you know, widows, there are thousands of widows that just get kicked out, disenfranchised, no inheritance. They're even told to go commit suicide, right? And they're living on the streets. I mean, why is this the case, Pastor M, that in the culture, widows, uh, I mean, there's even islands, communities where just widows gather together to try to survive together, to protect each other. Uh, It's just... It's, it's hard to comprehend. Why is this the case uh, in, in the culture of India that, that widows are treated this way? You know, from the beginning of, uh, of our Indian history, we are able to hear or we are continue hearing that there were no value of the, the girls in the Hindu families. There are no value of mm. the women. And if the women become like a widow, uh, people hate. Uh, they are always crushing to them. They're always mocking. Because of you, you, your husband died, and uh, uh, you know, you know, like women are are just like here in India, known uh, as like uh, you know, means means we control the men, control everything here. Uh, mm. That's why, uh, you know, when the women become uh, widow, their life is like a wow, it's like a worthless. Means it is, it is really, really challenging. Yeah. Well, well, again, this breaks our hearts. It gives us a sense of why, you know, we are partnering to bring the gospel here, which brings so much hope. Let's okay. Let's shift, you know, things a little bit. Let's just talk about the life of someone who's trying to make a living? What's the daily wage of someone, you know, working uh, as a delete in these rural areas? Let's start with that. Well, uh, in the in the rural area, Dalits are able to make one or two dollars per day uh, because they work just like in agriculture field. Uh, you know, they are living in the really remote rural area so uh, there are not a lot of uh, jobs are available. Even there are not lots of, uh, you know, work are available over there. So sometime like in a month, they got a job for 10 days uh, or five mm. days. So it is really, really a struggle uh, uh, for the Dalits people to survive. That's why 62% people who are belongs to below poverty line, most of them, they just depend on their animals most Mm. of them they are depend on somehow the agricultures uh uh, nothing nothing available in the remote area yeah okay okay let let me see if you can take this question and run with it what what does a typical day look like for someone you know a delete worker working in the rural area paint for us their, their their the place where they live you know when they wake up how do they feed themselves? You know, just what does a day look like? Or maybe there's a person that comes to mind. You could talk about their life. But I think this will help people uh, as they picture the typical delete person or family. So let me share with you a story uh, of a man. His name is Mohan. Uh, Mohan is around uh, 25 years old. He was married and having three kids. His wife uh, is always looking after kids, cooking the foods, cleaning the vessels, 
cleaning the clothes. This was uh, the job that she was doing in-house. And Mohan was going every day, like uh, once a day he had the food like around 9 a.m. and going to work in agriculture land. So uh, he make like uh, $1.5 every day uh, and then he will bring. So this money was only, you know, uh, was enough to feed the kids, feed his wife, feed his family. And uh, I went one time to their house and I saw that uh, they were not having the, the warm clothes. So in the winter season, uh, these, these kids were just, uh, just like sitting together near the fire. And, uh, and I, I heard the story that uh, uh, his two son, uh, while they were just like sitting near to the fire in the winter because they had no clothes and they were just like, uh, you know, uh, burned into the fire. Two kids mm -hmm. are died because they were so poor. So mm. this is one story, but uh, most of the, the poor, untouchable Dalits in the rural, remote villages uh, area are happening like this because, yeah. you know, for many, many yeah. kids. Yes. Yeah. And they're, they're living, you know, as I've visited many times, it's like a kind of a mud hut, you know, uh, walls are made of clay kind of in the floor and the fire's often inside, uh, you know, there's maybe one or two rooms. I mean, you know, a thatched roof. Is that kind of how you describe it, Pastor M? That's right. You know, the for the most of the Dalits and untouchable, they live in the mud hut, which is grass mm. house. Uh, mm. In the raining season, uh, it's like uh, really, really difficult uh, for them. Uh, sometimes mm. they don't sleep in the night because... You know, the continued raining is happening. So it's linking here, this corner, that corner. The whole house is like having water. Uh, so it is really, really challenging. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so helpful. What about before we leave this topic? Is there just a story that kind of, I don't know, when you think about physical poverty, just that kind of breaks your heart, you know, where just you had a moment where you experienced something and, it just comes to mind, Pastor M. You know, Pastor Mark, uh, you know, I, I am sharing this story uh, because I read or because I know or because I heard. No, I have seen through my eyes. I have experienced. I have experienced. Uh, and I am honored to say that I am from this uh, untouchable background people means believers, you know, or family. Uh, so I have means experienced through my eyes. I have experienced, mm. I have done through this challenging situation. It's not a story. It is like a real story. Yeah. 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 So thank you, Pastor M. Just beautiful. And I, I just love that, how you, you know, Jesus loved all people, the lowly as well as the wealthy, the high class, doesn't matter. And I just love how you just saying you're honored to be, you know, part of this, so to speak, class. And it's a beautiful people, the delete people. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's, you know, change a little bit. We've talked about physical poverty. Let, let's, and related to that is the spiritual poverty. 
of India in the areas that you're serving in. And I'm going to just try to, we'll try to do this quickly, but just, can you give us a picture, Pastor M, of just, you know, we're talking about North India, we're not going to describe exactly where, but just how would you give some basic statistics about the spiritual poverty in, you know, who are you trying to reach, uh, how many people are there, um, this sort of thing, and how much lostness is there? How do you describe that? You know, where we focus, uh, you know, that called Northern India, like, uh, you know, 600 million people, mm-hmm. uh, less than less than 1% Christians. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and to me, uh, looks like, you know, uh, these people are under the power of darkness, under the power of demons, Satan. Uh, you know, there is one big stronghold, uh, and that is Ganges River. All these people, they believe if they will drink the, the water from Ganges River, they will be sickness-free. If they will take bath, they will, their sins will be forgiven. Uh, mm. You know, they, they believe that if they will die and if, you know, just burnt and alongside the Ganges River, and if their ashes are thrown into Ganges River, they will go to heaven. So mm. this is unreal, means this is fake. People mm. have forgotten their creator, and now they are believing in creatures. I mm. hate, man, uh, because mm. we know that Jesus is the only one who gave the life. So yeah. uh, we, we just like focus that we want to, you know, see a, a worshiping group in 242,000 villages. Mm-hmm. And and I feel same still, this you know the the, the almost like two thousand years happened of the Great Commission what Jesus gave to us still over two hundred thousand villages are without church without you know worshiping group because those villages are under the power of darkness and we need mm-hmm. the fire we need the light of Jesus into those villages and I, we are working very hard to do that. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to get into that story, which is going to be amazing. But take us a little bit deeper into that darkness. You know, when you think about these unreached villages that you just mentioned, is there someone you could talk about that kind of typifies who's the example of someone who's lost and what their life is like in their spiritual poverty? Sure. Uh, uh, there is Brother BJ. He lives in a small village. In that village, over 2,000 people lives. And uh, that village, you know, like, uh, means uh, it was a small village. So, so they, they, means all the villagers, they're worshiping, uh, you know, a god named Kali. Mm. And in a year, like six, seven kinds of animals, the whole villagers were sacrificing. And, uh, you know, so there are like the terms so that this generation of family will do this year, next year, that family, that members like that. Uh, so the, the Bija was so poor and they were not able to, to, to buy uh, six or seven kinds of animals like the goat, mm. the lamb, you know, the, the, the pig the chickens, you know, all kinds of animals. And they were so poor. 
And Bizarre family, they did not buy. And because they were not, they were so poor and they did not provide uh, the animals to, to have sacrifice in front of that uh, temple, in front of that Kali. What yeah. happened uh, that year, they did not uh, do anything. And Bija died. And all the mm-hmm. villagers were mocking on the Bija family. And they were saying, because you did not provide, your you know, family member did not take this mm. seriously. That's why Bija died. And, uh, and I went to that village and I was hearing this story. And I was like, you know, just crushing myself. Why these people are so uh, much living in the power of darkness? Mm. Uh, so, so there are thousands of villages like this uh, that mm. we are able to see every day. Every day we are able to hear the story. Uh, uh, so, yeah, even Satan are killing sometimes the people. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, and I think it's just uh, we hear these numbers, the story. When we remember, these are moms and dads and children people created in the very image of God that the Lord loves so much, and yet their entire community, just thousands of years of darkness, like you're picturing, worshiping Satan, sacrificing to demons, and you see the demon possession and and the evil and uh, in these communities. And Pastor Emma, I've been and traveled with you in so many of these communities, and, and isn't it true? Often these communities, before a church is planted there, before the church planters go there, they're so dangerous, you know, that the police sometimes won't even go into these villages. But then (laughs) after there's a church planted, the transformation that has happened is so powerful that the police aren't even needed anymore. It's like God has come to that village and given it life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's beautiful, the power of the gospel. Wow. You know, um, it, it's beautiful. The darkness, the light comes to the darkness. And we're going to get into that more and more as we talk about the ministry that's taking place where just thousands of people are turning to Christ in these areas where there's such great spiritual poverty as you've described. So thank you, Pastor M. You know, just um, how can we pray? for those caught in both physical and spiritual poverty in India? Just can you close us out with just a thought there so we can really pray for what we've heard about today? Well, I I just want to request all of you and all the 360 Sir family, because it is very important. You know, uh, I I share with all of you the spiritual, uh, like the physical poverty. Uh, That means they are so poor, you know, uh, they don't have food, you know, uh, they don't have clothes, uh, and they are struggling, you know, they are struggling, means they are like in depression mood, they are always crushing themselves, why we are so much poor, the spiritual poverty looks to me that their eyes are closed, they are so much demonized, you know, the evil spirit working powerfully, Mm. so we need to pray that the fire of Jesus, the light of Jesus will come to those people's mm. life and they will see Jesus. They will yeah. 
see Jesus, that he is coming to the, the hearts and changing the hearts, giving them the hope, saying to them that I am living God, have the fear of real God in their life. Yeah. Hmm. Amen. I mean, yeah, just like you're pointing out there in that, the, the connection between physical poverty and spiritual poverty, there's a huge connection there, isn't there? A huge relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, the power of prayer is so needed. The gospel, like you're saying, Pastor M, well, this has been so helpful for us to just, uh, you know, we're scratching the surface, but it's helping us get our minds around uh, what it is like in India where you and the church planners we support are doing ministry within this context of physical and spiritual poverty. And uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to go to the Lord uh, with all of this. This has helped us to be able to pray. We, we count it such an honor, Pastor M, to partner together in the work of the gospel in this area of the world, North uh, India, where you've mentioned 600 million people and uh, seeking to, you know, plant 242,000 churches in these villages. So, so, so helpful, so grateful for our time together. God bless you, Pastor M. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate Pastor Mark. Thank you, Pastor M, for sharing with us your heart on the physical and spiritual poverty of India. It's moving for us to hear these stories from someone who was raised in this poverty and is today ministering among the poorest of the poor in India. I can't help but think of this scripture that describes Jesus' public ministry. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, Matthew writes this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's your action step of the day. Pray for the millions of people caught in the physical and spiritual poverty of India that we just have heard about. God loves each of them, and God knows each of them by name. Pray that God will use the church planting pastors we support to go, to pray, to heal, to teach, to have compassion, and to bring God's love and the gospel message to millions who are caught in this physical and spiritual poverty. I pray you've been encouraged and moved by what you've heard today. Share this podcast with a friend. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait for our next episode as Pastor M will share with us the personal story of his call into ministry. How does God take a delete, very poor young man who once worshiped 120 gods and call him to surrender his life to Jesus and become a church planning pastor with a vision to start 242,000 house churches among the poorest of the poor in India. This story involves a brother who almost dies, a father who kicks him out of his house, and 20,000 people who died in a flood. God uses all of this and more to call Pastor M into church planning ministry. This is an episode you do not want to miss. Until then, may the Lord bless you.